Hey folks, it's Patrick here from the podcast that you're about to listen to. Before I let you listen to the podcast, um, I do need to tell you real quick about the two sponsors for this show. Um, you know them, I think, already at this point, but if, you, if it's your first time, or uh, not, I guess, uh, you should know. First and foremost, one, this is a premium unlocked episode of Flipping the Field. Usually, premium episodes uh, are available only to subscribers at meetatmidfield.com. That's the website that uh, Ryan and I are, are co-owners of, I guess. I don't really know what our terminology is. We do writing. We do premium posts that you can only read if you are subscribed. We do premium podcasts that you can only listen to if you are subscribed of this show. We will do, I think, one of those a week as we get into the into the regular season here. Um yeah, I think it's one a week, and then we do the two free shows, the recap and the preview. Um, the premium show is is more in-depth. It is sort of a uh, – it's it's a more fleshed-out version of kind of the recap show where we do a little bit more stuff. We talk more about what happened in the week prior. We can take a little bit of a deeper dive into things, and we don't need to talk about every single game. It's more of a, uh, a focus on a couple things that caught our eye. It's cool. It's a good show. Uh, we will be doing that weekly. Again, you'll also, of course, get access to the archive shows, the archive premium shows, which have been going on for the, the last year now since we launched the website. Um, and perhaps best of all, with your subscription to meetatmidfield.com, you get access to the message board, the Meet at Midfield message board. Um, it is the best, bar none, the best college football message board out there. Uh, it is like a good place to spend your time, a good place to be. It doesn't inflict mental damage upon you to try and post or read things on our message board. There are smart people there. Uh, there are smart conversations happening. We have like professionals, like honest to God professionals uh, in the in the industry are on there. Matt Brown's on there sometimes. Ryan Nanny's on there sometimes. Um, it's a really, really cool message board. And if you've not already checked it out, get on over there. Check it out. Give us a uh, toss us a subscription ahead of the season here. I believe if you use the code flipping the field, you can get it for 50 percent off. I don't know how long that code is going to be uh, good to go. That was that was a Ryan idea, um, and uh, I'm just going to say it and I, I'm going to assume that it's right. And if it's not, I apologize. But I think it's code flipping the field for fifty percent off your subscription to meetatmidfield.com. Again. Flipping the field is the code for 50% off your meet at midfield subscription. Also supporting the show, of course, is Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the code meet at midfield and get 15% off your first purchase of a shirt, of some pants, of a sweatshirt, maybe a dad hat, maybe a bomber jacket, um, because they've got all sorts of cool stuff over there. They've got high-quality collegiate vintage apparel. They will put it on just about any piece of clothing. We've talked, of course, about our beloved Homefield chastity belt, but they'll do it for just about any kind of clothing that you could want. It's soft. It's super, super comfortable, um, and you can get it for 15% off if, if it's your first purchase. Um, I don't have a specific, I don't think there's a specific drop to uh, to tease this week, but there is something that they are just dubbing, and I don't know anything about this. I'm out of the loop on this as well, so they're keeping this secret from everybody. Um, I suppose I could put the screws to Taylor and see if I can get the answers, but I'm not going to. Um, they're, they're, they're doing something this week called Can't Miss Kickoff. Uh, and as I'm recording this ad here on August 18th, uh, there's a little bit of a, there's a little football man. I believe his name is Football Johnson, it looks like. Um, and he's holding up a, a flyer that says two days away for Can't Miss Kickoff. So that could be any number of things. 
I would guess it's probably going to be a release of uh, high-quality collegiate vintage apparel, because that's what they do over there. And if that's something that interests you, go to homefieldapparel.com, use the code MEETATMIDFIELD, get 15% off your first purchase, and enjoy the show. college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined as always by co-host Ryan Donnelly, but also somebody different, a third guy, a secret third guy. Ryan, what are we doing today? Uh, Pat, we have welcome to our midst, one of our oldest guests, one of our dearest guests. One of our oldest um, guests. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's old as fuck. He's on his last legs. Um, he's barely made it to this podcast. It's Bill Murray. Um, We've got Bill Murray on this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's Henry Kissinger joining the podcast. Um, you're hearing the dulcet tones and the laughs of Bill William Landis. Uh, Bill, how's it going, man? I'm very uh, doing very well. I am uh, I'm here on behalf of uh, Homeland Security. They sent me here to investigate the maniacs that did a three hour Pac-12 podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's good for you, dude. It's good when you do that kind of thing. That is not um, that it's... is not true. It is not good for you. I spent I spent all of last night after we finished recording that just laying on the couch, not consuming anything. I was just laying there, I was just letting it wash. I, I really love that we do it for every fucking conference preview, and they were always like, "Dude, that sucked." <laughs> we have no restraint we can't stop ourselves from from uh from doing it which is why we've brought bill in to stop us to stop ourselves that's from right making but also another... where else are you getting 45 minutes about oregon state's offensive line where else are you getting that kind of content hopefully nowhere <laughs> hopefully it's just us we have nothing else if we're not the only ones doing that we, it, it has to just be us um so this uh this week we've got we we teased it on the three hour long pac-12 preview so if you didn't listen to that for whatever reason you missed out you didn't know um but we're doing a we're doing a Q&A here this week with uh with with dear friend old friend bill um, we have solicited questions from the meet at midfield message boards. Um, we have a, an assortment of questions, some about uh, a, a team that I, I would say there's some familiarity with on this on this show mm-hmm. that we'll that we'll dive into, and then some that aren't about that team. Um, do you guys want to just jump mm-hmm. right into this? Yeah, Bill. I guess you want to plug anything before we do this, or you you pretty much we they all know who you are. Uh, I mean, I, I would never be so cocky to assume that people know who I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just like search uh, the podcast Ohio State. You can find me there. All right. Sure. Cool. Let's get into some questions. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, Ryan, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so these are all for our message board, which is meet at midfield.com. Uh, we'll give you the full pitch later, but subscribe. You want to join it's best college football internet, uh, you know, generalist website out there. We love it. Anyway, question. Starting off with our buddy, cool, nice person. Uh, he asked us, if you were talking to someone with passive knowledge of and limited interest in college football, what would you tell them about the 2023 season to get them excited about ball? Um, Pat, you want to lead us off? 
Yeah, so I thought about this a little bit because I think there's a lot of different ways that you can take this, and that's my answer, is that this is the year for everybody. This year has something for every kind of college football fan. If you want something that sucks and is bad, like the NFL, you can watch the SEC. If you want like running backs, you want defense, you can go to the Big Ten or the Sun Belt. If, you're, if you want quarterbacks, there's the ACC, there's the Pac-12 underdogs the conference usa is there you can watch that um and then the other conferences are just wide fucking open anybody could win the aac the big 12 the mac or the mountain west there there's something there's something interesting for every kind of college football fan if you're willing to do just like any legwork at all and and not watch just the standard whatever's on cbs at 3 30 or whatever's on abc at prime time like there's something that every kind of football fan could like in this college football season and i'm not sure that that's always going to be the case moving forward as the sport continues to kind of coagulate. Yeah. Landis? Uh, gather around everyone and watch the demise of the Alabama dynasty. Mm. I think, I think, mm. I think that is uh, something we can all savor here in this college football season. No, I agree with Pat. I think there, there's a lot. Um, I would like point people. I think if I had to be more specific, like point people in the direction of the big 12, like this, this, this one moment of the big 12 where like texas and oklahoma can't leave just yet these new teams are coming in one of those four is going to beat texas and oklahoma it's going to be awesome someone that's not texas or oklahoma is going to win the big 12 both those programs are going to be pissed off about it and just like generally top to bottom i think the big 12 is going to be like probably the most fun conference in college football at least the most fun of the major conferences mm-hmm. um so if you're like a passive fan or someone who's not like super passionate about keeping your finger on the pulse of everything that's happening in college football, just watch the big 12 and you'll be satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, it's at a point, I think both you did too. It's like, it's, it's the end of a lot of things this season. And I went kind of sad for a lot of people, like the fact that we're losing the back 12, uh, the big 12, as we know, it is fundamentally changed. The big 10, as we know, it is fundamentally changed. Uh, even the SEC got a facelift, like basically everything except the ACC and the Mac have, really changed aggressively in the last couple of years our two our nation's two most celebrated conferences of course mm-hmm. um but like the changes of all those teams i think lead to some really kind of like interesting moments to see the last time we'll see a few rivalries for a while um it's also gonna lead to a lot of like revenge games some great shit talk yeah. probably from head coaches like joey mcguire's speech last year if they beat texas we're gonna see a lot of that this season from a lot of different teams in my opinion yeah um and just from a football perspective like on the field I think the top eight or nine teams in college football this year are about as even as they've been on that tier in a long, long time. Like you could convince me that there are probably seven or eight teams that could win a national championship this year. Um, And each of them have some pretty significant flaws too. I think we're going to talk about a few of them, but I'm pretty excited about what's yet to come uh, this season. It seems to be, unfortunately, a couple of them really have horrible, regular season schedules with a wait until like the you know December to play anybody. But there are some really good games, some really strong programs, all vying for a handful of spots this year, which should be fun. Yeah, I, I think this is basically the easiest, probably the easiest way to distill what we all like about this is that this is the spite season. This is the season where like <laughs> you are the, a lot of teams who maybe are not strong enough to have a target painted on them are painting a target on themselves this season, like Oklahoma or Texas or half of the Pac-12 or the other half of the Pac-12 or like there's a lot of teams who have made themselves villains who are maybe not actually good enough to be villains and so I I do think that there's going to be some really funny results there are going to be some games that are driven 
by by things that are not really football related where you have you have results that don't really make sense outside of like yeah like you said the Texas Tech thing last year where a lot of teams are motivated purely just by anger about what the other team is doing as a program and not as a team on the actual football field which is good we like that um, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of anger I think this college football season and that's uh, that can be cathartic um, next up here from uh, Celebrity Hot Tub which I believe is is Ryan Nanny right that's Ryan that's we that's uh, yeah. second Ryan okay it's either someone who's convincingly poses him for several months or is actually Ryan Nanny that would be a there's really no that would be really funny <laughs> that would be a really really funny bit that's an extremely funny guy to pose as on a message board I also yeah I doubt he remembers this but Ryan was also very nice to me when I was like 19 and trying to get paid writing for the first time why would, uh, why, Matt Brown was trying, why would we remember this how how <laughs> I said I don't know if he remembers that oh <laughs> he said I don't know if you guys would remember this <laughs> no uh Matt Brown was trying to give me my first paid writing job after I worked for free for uh, Kevin Noon at Rivals for a while and uh uh Ryan Nanny tried to convince me too uh, very nice dude. I don't know. I've always liked Ryan. He's been friendly to me. Yeah, anyway, anyway, uh, question here from Ryan is, question. Uh, yeah, yeah, question here from Ryan is, what do you think about Kevin Noon? No, it's uh, which FBS team <laughs> do you have the absolute worst read on going into the season? Um, Bill, I'm I'm gonna open this one up to you first. Uh, yeah, I, I like this question actually. Um, I don't I don't ask this in in a way to uh, to besmirch the heavyweight champ Luke Fickle. Um, I don't understand how this offense is supposed to work in Madison. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if maybe you guys can explain it to me, but I, it was it was bizarre when they made the hire of Phil Longo. It has gotten more bizarre. I feel like as we've gotten closer to the season, I don't, I can't figure out for the life of me how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And like, I want to embrace the idea of Luke Fickle taking Wisconsin beyond the kind of glass ceiling it's had there under its previous head coaches, but um, I don't know if this is the way. I'm not convinced that this is the way. So I, I, I'm having a hard time envisioning how that equals success, at least in year, like the first couple of years. I guess after a few years of transition, you can get the players you need there to operate that kind of system. But um, yeah, even if it's like a hybrid approach of like what Longo's done meshed with what Wisconsin's done, I still don't know if I, I don't feel like I know what that looks like either. So yeah, they well, are, and that's they are the thing too players. is like it, it's not quite as extreme as like the times when we see the triple option teams like convert to, you know, playing other kinds of football, like Venezuelan offense, like Georgia Tech did. But it's not that far off either, right? Yeah. Like Wisconsin's run the power eye and it's like power run approach for a long, long time. And switching to what is functionally like, you know, pretty damn close to an air raid uh, is, takes a lot of roster change. And they got a few like transfers at receiver. I think they got the Oklahoma State kid, Bryson Green and CJ Williams from USC. But like, there's not a lot of clarity at all on like, do they actually the personnel to run this? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, from quarterback on down, like, I don't know. Like, I, that's a fair answer. I don't know that I see the vision for Wisconsin to be like, is it like a Luke Fickle 10 win team? Almost certainly not. Um, but in this West with Purdue with new coaches, with Illinois losing everybody, you know, Iowa's still Iowa, obviously, but like Minnesota's not very impressive this year. I guess the question is like, other than Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin schedule, like, can you? Like, I don't know if I can find four losses. I probably have to look pretty hard to make that happen. Yeah, um, I think their crossovers are Rutgers, and other crossovers are Rutgers in Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah, they get they get Iowa at home. Um, 
they get Ohio State at home, but I think they're probably still going to lose. Um, I mean, their big non-con game is at Wazoo, who I think are pretty bad. Um, there's just not a lot of juice in the schedule to find a bunch of losses for Wisconsin. So I think they're probably going to benefit from like a week, a pretty weak division, a pretty weak schedule, and despite not being actually good. Like this is like a, you know, 35th ranked SP plus team that goes like nine and three somehow. That's a classic. Yeah. That's a classic Big Ten West team. There's, there. It seems like yes. there's one or two of those <laughs> pretty much every season. So that is, there's a lane to fill there for at least one more year. Yeah, I, I am. But that's inter- a fair answer, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I am interested to see what that looks like because I think if you were trying to do the hybrid, right, which, which they might be. I mean, you still have a pretty good running attack, I would assume. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you have Luke Fickle. I don't know that you would really want to go away entirely from running the football. It doesn't really jive with what I know about him. Um, and so if you're going to do the hybrid, I don't know exactly why you would hire Phil Longo to do that. There are coaches who run kind of a, a combination system. You could have just hired one of those guys. It wouldn't have been – I don't think it would have been that hard. Like you're, in, you're in Wisconsin. The MAC. that's basically all the MAC does. That's, that's, that's a pretty common ski- – you don't – I don't think you really needed to hire Phil Longo to do this, so it, it, that is going to be interesting. Um, I a uh, couple a couple schools come to mind for me. Um, the biggest one you guys mentioned Minnesota. Minnesota is on my my board as well, but the biggest one for me is Louisville. I have no idea what Louisville is going to be. <laughs> I don't know anything about Louisville. I have I have no grasp on it. I I don't know. I don't know what year one of Jeff Brom looks like there. I don't know how much he can do in the portal. I don't know how much he did in the portal. I don't know how much talent they have. I have no idea what Louisville is going to look like, what their place is in the ACC. They could be anywhere from 3 to 12 in that conference. I have no idea. It, 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 could, be, it could be literally anything at, at Louisville this season. Yeah, yeah. Um it's also like that, that roster is just in a pretty shitty spot, I think too, uh, for mismanagement there from Satterfield. So like, I, I don't really have any idea what to expect from them either. I'm curious to watch them play. Um, man, I think my answer is going to sound fairly insane. And I guess I know what's coming from that tease. Ohio Cause I spend, I'm, I was going to say Ohio state. Yeah. Like honest <laughs> to God, I read every word written about that team. Maybe I'm too far inside that I can't see perspective on this, but like I read every word bill writes. I read every word that Austin Moore and Jeremy Birmingham and Mark Givler and, you know, Tony Gerdman and Dan Hope and a, a bunch of other guys, right. Too. Like mm-hmm. I spend a lot. Yeah. Kevin Newton, of course I spent Pat Murphy. Uh, I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about that program and like have watched all those players since they were juniors in high school for the most part. And just like every new practice report every few days has me more confused about what this team is Um, and like what some of the personnel looks like, right? Like, you know, Sonny Styles, he seems great. Cool. But how are they going to use him? Like, what's up with CJ Hicks? What's up with the linebackers? Like, what's the actual like safety deployment scheme looking like? Why are guys still changing positions? Uh, Is Josh Proctor, why'd he come back to the roster? (laughs) Like, you know, what's up with the SNC? Like the old line still moving around. Is Carson Hinsman bad? Like, is, you know, like, like there's just so many things coming out every day that it's it's possible I feel this way because I'm too far inside of it. But even down to like their offensive, like scheme situations, like they've relied so much on 12 personnel. Are they really going to do that with like a bunch of bad tight ends, like behind Kate Stover, who are also banged up? Like, are they not going to give the ball more to their like excellent running back and receiver rooms? Is anything, is Brian Day going to change anything about the program? Like obviously the coaches are the same, but is like Brian Hartline going to have any kind of role in this offense? Does his involvement do anything? Like there are just so many questions about this team for them to play at the level I think they're going to play at. And I think they're probably still a level one football team, but like, I just feel like the the path to how they get there, I have no clarity on whatsoever. 
Oh, have you tried uh, sort of like printing out the roster and then looking at the heights and the weights and being amazed by it? Just sort of being amused by like, oh, wow, look <laughs> at the high school this guy went to and just kind of going down the list. I, I, I know that that helps some people out. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want it Rabinowitz style. <laughs> style <laughs> that, yeah, that's something else entirely. Um, that so yeah, I think that that is also I, I would I would leave this up. I would leave the response up to Bill more than myself. But from the outside looking in, where I'm I'm not at all too far inside of it. I have no idea what's going on at Ohio State. Um, it does seem like kind of one of like like one of those those pictures that's meant to simulate what it is like to have a stroke, where there's nothing. You can't pick out any one thing in the picture. There's just, it's just like a big blob of Ohio State. I don't really know. It's, it's hard to, even now it's kind of hard to parse exactly. Yeah. Like you said, what they're, what they want to be, what they're going to be, what they realistically could or, or couldn't be. It just seems like sort of a, a, a big pile of talent that could be any number of things and, and didn't change a ton from what it was doing last year but also has some changes foisted upon it that I, I don't really know exactly what the answer is for yeah i think i i, I agree with kind of everything you guys are saying i think part of it is that like these guys don't know how to talk about themselves like it's it's and then that is like the message that then gets relayed like through us to to the fans it's just like frustrating sometimes like they i don't know i don't know if it's paranoia uh, or or what, but like they just refuse to talk about anything specific, and then you get like a lot of double talk. You get like purposefully misleading stuff about like the most like unserious shit ever. Like like Justin Fry's like, oh, we're flipping the tackles back and forth, and it's like, no, you're not. We were at practice. We know you're not doing that. I asked I asked Josh Fryer like, hey Josh, have you practice on the left side at any point like the last week and a half he says no so then like why is justin fry saying that like i feel like more direct answers i think <laughs> lead people like ryan and anyone else who finds themselves confused about what this team is going to look like just like to a better place it doesn't give you all the answers but i think it, it leaves you less confused about just how they're viewing their roster and, and personnel like saying saying sunny styles is going to have a streamlined role one sentence and then the next sentence saying like he's going to do nine different things for you like those like the two things don't add up yeah um so it's just they're they're not very good at the uh pr part of this um and i don't know why that's the case but i do find it frustrating and i think it does lead to confusion um i i sort of just always fall back on there's a lot of good players here i think it's going to be pretty hard for them to fuck it up but um they could talk about it better and then make everyone else uh, a little bit happier. I think. Yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. From... And that is their job, by the way, is to make me happy. We should clarify yeah, that. Right. That's what this yeah. team is. That's what their involvement is. Yeah. yeah right. I, I would say, I think paranoia is a really good word for it. That has been my impression on, on from across the country now is that it does seem like very, it seems like everyone is, is very kind of skeevy and <laughs> doesn't really want to give a, a straight answer about anything, which could mean any number of things that that could be you know we think we have something here and we don't want anybody to know about it which is a really funny approach to take at ohio state because i think people are going to assume you have something if you don't have something would be the the problem um but it, it does sort of give the impression of like the response to to you know bad outcomes to, to bad news of the last two years is uh no one gets to know anything and uh, if we fuck up, no one will know why. And if it works, no one will know why. And no one will be able to get credit for it because we refuse to say what is going on. No one gets to know what's happening, um, which is a fun approach, I would say. That's awesome. That's so fun. Yeah. Uh, next up here, I, I don't know. 
Ryan, do you know if this one is Ohio State specific or is it just is it just a general question here? No, no, just a general question. Okay. Um, I'm just making a general question because I, I don't want to do nothing but Ohio State talk. Yeah, that's fine. So uh, from from uptown <laughs> from uptown Buckeye here, he he says, and this one is for Bill specifically. Would love to hear Bill's thoughts on how he thinks offensive line recruiting and development will change as we move move further along into the NIL slash portal era. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um... I don't know if I have a strong thought on maybe on how it impacts development. I think the thing that I'm curious about is it does feel like to me that that offensive line has kind of lagged behind the other positions when it comes to being able to land like real difference makers or, or at least as many as you can land at other positions. And I don't know why that's the case. Like our offensive line, well, offensive linemen, I guess are probably more willing to like wait out their time at, at their given program because of the developmental nature of their position. Maybe, maybe that's it, or, or maybe that's bullshit. I, I don't know, but it does seem like, and 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 I feel like I have a, a a better view on this because Ohio State was portal shopping for offensive linemen, and when I like looked at the potential options, it's like there are a few here, but there aren't that many. Like there was a handful of guys that I thought could actually like play and be real difference makers at Ohio State when it came to offensive linemen who were in the portal, and I guess that'll that'll change. I, I guess that number will increase um, until it does. Like I I still think recruiting and evaluations of development are going to be more important at that position than, than anything that you can do in the portal, at least on a regular basis. Like uh, from time to time, you'll find a guy there for sure. And there were definitely guys in the portal this year who, who will be impact players of their programs. But I don't, I don't think like, I think you can make drastic improvements somewhat regularly at almost every other position aside from the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if, and when that's going to change or if it, maybe it won't. Yeah, there was a pretty interesting article. I wish I could credit the guy because I always forget his name, but the dude who writes about Oregon for SB Nation um, did a pretty interesting take on like the correlation between number of transfers starting on your O-line and O-line performance over the last couple of seasons. And it's not very positive. And I think part of that could be the lack of talent. And, and obviously it's cohesion as well, right? Like the offensive line, more than any other group on the, on the team, has to play well and cohesively in a system together and kind of act in motion. And I think just like the newness of the portal – like, look, there's differences in scheme for, like, every program, but, like, an X receiver is pretty much an X receiver, right? Like, there's not too much different. You're not really reinventing the wheel there. Um, I'm sure our buddy Whip Routes going to yell at me for this, but, like, there's different routes you run. There's different feel to it, but it's, it's pretty much the same position, right? Um, and that's not really true in O-line play. The objectives each plays are so different. Like, the movement you have to do, like, you and I, Pat, were just talking yesterday about um, Kent State's O-line play under under Sean Lewis and how that required certain abilities that maybe Colorado's line doesn't match up with this year despite having some like nominal talent be at the portal. Um, like everyone's crowing about that Miami O-line and the USC O-line and they're going to have like three transfers each starting and that's usually not a very good thing. <laughs> like you don't really want to be in that position. You want to have guys who are homegrown who know your system. Like yes, if you have a glaring hole at left tackle, bring a guy in, right? If you have a glaring hole somewhere, bring a guy in. But like it's not very common to take multiple guys to start and do well with that. And but I don't know if it changes anything because the incentive remains the same, right? Like if you think you're an NFL player and you're not in the two deep wherever you're at by year two as every other position or year three by an alignment, like you should be transferring, frankly. Like it's smart to transfer. Um, because if you want to get to the league, you gotta get reps. And guys are still gonna be incentivized to transfer. Guys who have bad linemen are still incentivized to take new ones. You have to do what you have to do. 
but I don't know that as a program, it's it's certainly not optimal. I think. Yeah, I, I would. I, the only thing I would really add on this is on the development front. Um, I would assume it just impacts it negatively. I would guess that the offensive linemen coming out of college football, and I, there's not data to back this up yet. Um, maybe there never will be. Maybe this won't be right. Uh, but I would guess that the offensive linemen coming out of college football will just be worse. I, I, they will have less there will be less guys with continuity within a program. There will be guys who have been developed in different ways from staff to staff, from school to school. And that the, the result, not that it really, I mean, it kind I mean, it does impact us because we're watching college football and I think college football will be made worse by this as well. But I think you'll probably see this more impactful at the, at the NFL level where, suddenly a bunch of teams are like, where, where are all the linemen? Why aren't there any good linemen? Why are there like four guys that we think are draftable in this class? Um, and that's a, an extreme you know, example. But like, I, I do think that you're going to see a lot of guys who have the talent to be a lot better than they end up being, who do take that, that route of transferring and just don't really get developed the right way because it is such a, it's a really hard position to learn. And it's a position that, is very very incumbent on scheme more than any other position in in the sport really. I think even quarterbacks can operate within several different schemes a lot easier than linemen can. It it could be very very different for a lineman going from school to school and I I just don't think that that's going to be developmentally that it will help some guys. I think it will probably hurt more. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think you're right. Yeah. I wonder too like um you guys can tell me if you agree with this, but I maybe quarterback might be the only one that is similar, but I feel like their offensive line is a position of like the most variance in terms of how people coach it. Like it, like it could be hyper specific to the coach. And yeah. if you're like bouncing around program, the program and never spend enough time, just sort of marinating a one person style that that will be detrimental to your development. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's correct. Like, I mean, hundred percent, just even between like, even within like a zone scheme versus a gap scheme, there's still so many different responsibilities and different offenses. And I mean, O-line movement so essential to, to a lot of what these guys do. And yeah, I mean, like a guy like Matt Canada, right. Who, who was able to like do pretty well in the college ranks because of recruiting offensive linemen for a specific role has not been able to do that in the NFL where it's more homogenous body types. And um, it's, it's a lot different because I mean, guys aren't really trained to do that at that level and don't, don't, you know, build their bodies for it among other problems he's had, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly something that's interesting to watch. And I think I agree with you. Yeah. Um, The last thing I'll say on this is I I would bet that in coming years and even now, and we're already seeing this, um, I would bet that the, the wait for uh, returning production on offensive lines for continuity on offensive lines in like SP plus will go up. I would guess it will be more important to have guys who have been in your program, even if they haven't played just guys who have been there for several years on the offensive line, I think you're going to see more and more that the better lines in college football are guys who the teams who just have guys who have been there teams who have guys who have been with the coach who have learned the system, even if they haven't played before, just that they've been around and they've practiced and they, they don't need to try and learn the chemistry. They don't need to try and learn the new terminology in one off season and then step right into the starting lineup. I, I would imagine that there is already a correlation there and that it's really only going to uh, get stronger as it becomes more and more common for guys to to try and restart somewhere else. Yep, yeah, all agreed. Um, our next question, Patrick, uh, we are on to our buddy Will Warren at Sats by Will. Um, he asked us, "What is the dumbest college sports controversy slash story you've witnessed?" 
not necessarily one that was horrifying or bad, but just why slash how is a story combined with why do so many people care? I love this question. And unfortunately, I could not think of a specific answer. There are there, uh, so many different things rushed to my head uh, when I saw this question, but I couldn't. I just couldn't pick one out specifically. So I, I will I will go with like people who and this happens all the time. This happens every week of the college football season forever. And it has always happened. People who get really, really mad about like what Kirk Herbstreet says, just <laughs> furious about the things that Kirk Herbstreet says or that any broadcaster gets on, you know, gets on TV or gets on Twitter even and says like on TV. Yeah, maybe, maybe you could be, you know, you could, you could be upset about something that Kirk Herbstreet says on, on game day or whatever, but uh, just posting like, uh, who cares? He's just, he just calls the games. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like he's some, some grand. Author. I just, I don't know why people get so upset about all that stuff. They're just broadcasters. They're, it's it's always like a story whenever any of these guys says anything that's it's always aggregated and it's like why it's not like they know any more than anybody else they're just calling the games it's, it's just the job yeah i mean herb street in particular is like the funniest one too because he's such a milk toast announcer yeah like there he like has that guy ever said anything interesting in his entire life <laughs> not not on purpose like, what's the memorable Herb Street call you've ever heard? What's like a memorable Herb Street line or like analysis? Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't think of one. I've heard him call like, so many the, games. The, the it's most... not like we're gonna talk about broadcasters later. It's not that he's bad. It's just like I don't remember a single thing he's ever said. I don't get. Yeah, I mean, I'll maybe say this to the broadcaster section. But we just say this. I don't get people who care about the broadcasters that much. Like, my enjoyment of a game is affected one percent by a broadcaster like it's so minimal yeah i i, I don't know but over the tv the whole time is why <laughs> but i don't know um also he smells so strongly what uh, <laughs> herb street like, like what <laughs> like cologne like heavy cologne okay like well, he how do he you... is one of the most coloned men i've shared elevators with them at, okay. at ohio stadium okay um i see like so... there were like bill you know, are you both of those those elevators they fit like 25 people you're kind of like a sardine and yeah. i could it was definitely herb street because i was also behind him for food at one point in time okay uh like that guy like he walked in the elevator and the whole whole smell of the place changed. Oh god. <laughs> <Just> a... <laughs> smells like a hotel. <laughs> yeah, he is like smells like a French horse, whatever describe it. We need and, to um, us three, we need to put our heads together at some point and figure out the line of delineation between where where Ohio State will let a person ride in the elevator down from the press box by themselves with like security around them and where they have to get stuffed in with the rest of us. Because uh in like twenty 2021 i think it was either 2021 or 20 it might have been 2019 um both urban meyer and john cooper were at a game in the press box and urban got to go down with his security and john cooper got left out of the elevator um <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah cooper with me and cooper's in the same elevator with herb street same elevator ride, yeah so that uh, we'll have to figure out where the line is how successful you have to be at ohio state for them to let you ride the elevator yourself because like i would imagine archie griffin would get his own elevator down kirk herb street not good enough apparently he can't uh didn't win enough games stats weren't good enough <laughs> yeah win a title kirk um uh, yeah i'm trying to think about mine here i was thinking about this a bit too and i didn't come up with a great answer but i think generally like 
the people who obsess about the fact when a program who has like 23 commits is in first place in the recruiting rankings in May. Uh, that's a classic. Um, how does this, like, how do you guys, <laughs> people just have goldfish brains. Like maybe it's because people who follow <laughs> recruiting are generally younger, but like this has happened every year for as long as I follow since like 2010. Yeah. Like this happens every single year to a team. It was Tennessee pretty often for a while. Um, this year it's Michigan. It's happening to, it happens to a lot of teams pretty frequently. Texas Tech. Miami did it a bunch. Yeah, Texas Tech, yeah. Miami. No one ever learns from this. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it, it is. It is inevitable. It happens every year. Every year some coach has the idea to do it and they just keep doing it forever. <laughs> yeah. Bill, how about you? I guess I'll... Yeah, yeah, oh, sorry. No, I'm fine. Yeah, I was trying, like, I I don't know if this is, like, the most, uh, I forget how the question was was posed, but this is not, like, the craziest or, like, most outrageous thing, but it was, like, just one of the more recent ones that I could think of. When people were flipping out about, like, Dion blowing up the roster at Colorado mm-hmm. as if that fucking team didn't win one game last year and was complete dog shit, like, what did they, they think he was going to come in there and coach the boys up? Like, of course yeah. he was going to turn over the roster <laughs> yeah. and get rid of everybody who wasn't good at football and bring in guys who were. And, like, the pearl, pearl clutching about him, I don't know, what did he get rid of, like, 60 players from that team? Like, yeah. yeah. They have they have 10 scholarship players back. Yeah. yeah. He'd like to win football games in his first year. Of course he did that. Why, like, why do we have to pretend like that was some sort of surprise or that it was the wrong thing to do? Yeah. It, it, fundamentally, it is not any different from what any of the other, like, like really coaches who try to fashion themselves as, as big time um, would do in the same sort. That team was bad. That team was really, really bad. Like not FBS level good players on a lot of that, on a lot of that roster. Um, like I, we, we just talked about this on the, the marathon pack 12 preview. Like we don't think that team's going to be very good, but I don't know why they would have been any better if he had just kept those guys around. They just would have had a bunch of, they would have been worse. Yeah. They would have just had a bunch of mad players who stink instead of guys who are, maybe some of them aren't terrible and also they want to be there. Yeah. Um, it it truly is maddening. I, I I don't know. I think also like another one just to throw in the, the ring here. Um, getting mad about anything Lane Kiffin says. Um, yeah. How does? <laughs> I don't know. Like people still got to get worked up over Lane Kiffin's statement. So he becomes a national story for one week every year before they lose four games. And I don't really get that one either. Like like that's come. He's just like you know he's baiting you. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's 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 got the the he's subscribed to the Twitter blue and he's getting the ad revenue. So he's trying to bait everybody into engaging <laughs> with his tweets. <laughs> Speaking of guys like that, Big Game Boomer is he having a moment, dude? I feel like Big Game Boomer <laughs> has successfully worked himself into like a positive light for most like online college ball fans i think a lot of people have come around to it being funny that he is so committed it's funny to it. yeah it's, it's it's kind of funny it is kind of funny that he is that he's still doing it that he's still putting out lists. it's also way funnier like when you like his real identity came out and i remember if he got docs or someone like he gave it out himself but he's like a normal guy like, you think he would be a freak he like has a successful career it's like a, i think he's married <laughs> oh god that actually that does lower my opinion on him a little bit that he's doing this as a normal guy that is unfortunate i think it's better i, I haven't i haven't checked his account in a while and i'm like he has like he's affiliated with prize picks he's got promo codes for home field and seat geek like he's turned this into a fucking business i yeah. respect it yeah oh yeah yeah, he also gave me, he's, uh, he's on the Anthony McCarati train, so he is a brother in arms for me. Hey, uh, that was like a big day in the message boards when he dropped the 
top <laughs> SNC coaches in America list, and Mick's like 25th. Oh my god! Uh, you have to think because you know all he does for these is he just reads tweets, right? Like that's all he's doing is like sees how angry a a fan base is about their certification code because he, he doesn't like analyze the program. There's no, no way he's just like looking at tweets. That would be. So cool I think I am that, I am possibly solely responsible for that ranking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could be, and it's uh, harrowing, harrowing to think about that, and the 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 res- the level of uh, of of uh, influence that you command at any given time, frightening <laughs> to think about. <laughs> to you, yeah, yeah, to me, and to many, I would say. Next up here, uh, from Quirky, uh, from la- this is a reference to what we did last year. I don't know if you guys have full lists here. I've put together a little bit, but he asks. I need a preseason update for the most Reddit teams slash storylines this year. Um, so I've got a, I've got six here, including a couple that we've oh, already. Wow. We've, we've you actually prepped for this, huh? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there you'll see. I didn't prep super hard for it, um, but I, I have a couple that I'm going to run through here real quick, in no particular order. Um, we already mentioned everyone's Dion opinion. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Dion opinions. I just want to see him play football. I don't need to hear it in either direction. I don't care. I just want to see him play football. I want to see what the what his actual tenure looks like and not just everyone's opinion on what his tenure is going to look like. Um, number five, or out, it's not really in order. I have them listed. But uh, Texas Tech, tired of it. No more Texas Tech. Uh, they had one good year. I, I don't uh, – everybody is convinced that Texas Tech is doing things very differently when they still had a top ten offense and they still threw the shit out of the ball. They're not doing anything different. It's the same thing. They just had a good year. Um Jokes about SEC West coaches being weird, like the Lane Kiffin thing, but they do this with Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher, Saban gets a lot of this still, Hugh Freeze, like, yeah, they are weird. It's a it's a big, weird group of guys. Sam Pittman as yeah. well. They're all strange people, except for Zach Arnett, who no one knows anything about, but um true i get it like ryan kelly dancing is very high up there that's like yeah. one of the like biggest ones on the list yeah. yeah he's good at dancing everybody's just mad they just don't they're just they're just <laughs> jealous of how good at dancing he is um, uh, honestly the reaction it, I, I will say really quick here yeah like that meme of like the looking good today susan like uh and like with like, oh thank you versus hr yeah is just nick saban dancing with recruit versus brian kelly dancing with recruit yeah we have that famous video of nick doing the cha-cha slide we all recall this yeah um it's been memory hold he, it, he's wiped that off the internet no one is allowed to know about when he did the cha-cha slide (laughs) it's not dignified um and then i also have arizona just as a concept uh texas same thing and then big 12 fans i'm i'm tired of seeing the big 12 fans whining about their conference living about their conference surviving but people not being nice enough to them shut up you guys won. You lit. You survived. You get to continue existing as a weird, stupid zombie conference. And they're all like, oh, why doesn't anybody feel bad for me? Why didn't anybody? Nobody was sad when the Big 12 was going to die. It's because you're not a real conference. You, you're made up. You're not. You have no history. Nobody cares about you. Just be happy that you won. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of them. I'm tired of seeing all of it. Yeah. Um, I have that one. I just want to expand off. Maybe it's kind of a rip off the Brian Kelly one, but like. Anything that Jim Harbaugh does off the field yeah. is Reddit. Okay. Um, <laughs> the program on the field is a legitimately awesome program. Kicking ass. Very good team built very impressively. Having like, like, Oh, like Jim Harbaugh, is he going to drink some milk? Is he going to be shirt? Like post the Jim Harbaugh shirtless pick, uh, Jim Harbaugh being a dad, Oh, Jim Harbaugh dad post. All of that shit is like of humanizing a college football coach, just like a, a psychotic person. Like all of them are yeah. like just this absolute, like, you know, right-wing freak 
being he's like, oh, he's a cute more dad. That's so fucking Reddit. Please stop doing that. Yeah, I don't need to know anything about Jim Harbaugh personally. I don't want to know anything about him personally. That's not his job. He can just he can do that on his own terms. I don't need to know about it. I don't need to see it. <laughs> I uh, I did not I did not have strong opinions on this mostly because I was unsure of how to define Reddit. Yeah, we still don't know. We're we're we're, we're in you the know same when place. you see it. It's like the Supreme Court's <laughs> definition of porn. Yeah, they did also. Yeah, they did release that on Reddit. It was asked what that uh, you know what is Reddit, what isn't Reddit. And they said you'll know it when you see it. Um, next one here from uh, Purple Haze fifteen. We get some fun usernames on the message board um mm-hmm. you get it's fun because you get usernames that you would get on a regular message board and then you get like good posts and it's it's sort of a it's a cool kind of shock to the system um yeah like our buddy like he, like he's a, i think he's on your board too bill but like uptown buckeye who's one of our favorite posters yeah uh it's just like that's like a name of a guy who like you know drives like a lifted truck and like has three kids and yeah and like zanesville it's really it's, uh, it's like really post- good i i like that the name like yeah the names just stick no matter what it's really it's really good it's a it's a crucial part of message board culture um so anyway the, the question here i will just pose this largely to you guys i have i have answers i don't know that they're going to be super valuable um what is ohio state's biggest threat to potentially get upset by prior to the Michigan game. Same question for Michigan, although I suspect that will be an easier answer. Um, where are you guys at with this? That that it, means like the like team? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, who, yeah. Who is most likely to upset Ohio when, State? When, yeah. when will, who's the most likely player to be upset about something? Um, <laughs> Tyler Williams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, for 391, it's coming. Yeah. No, it's Penn State, right? There's no other answer Yeah. Um, yeah. to me. I, I mean, like, I don't take and Bill. Sorry, this is your beat. I can let you talk in a second. Like, I I don't really respect Notre Dame or Wisconsin this year. I think they're both like pretty, like I said, pretty average teams. I think Notre Dame is wildly overhyped. Uh, I don't really get the appeal there at all. What they're supposed to be doing at that program, mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin at least you see the vision if it works out with Longo. But um, yeah, Penn State's a legitimately quality football team with several NFL players on both sides of the football. Um, they probably the best you know, oh, tackle, one of the best corners, one of the best defensive ends, one of the best running backs, like, you know, a five-star quarterback. There's a lot of things to like about that program. Um, they do come to Columbus, which is tough, but if you're looking for any game besides Michigan, it's it's that one. Yeah, that that's the obvious one. I think if Notre Dame had a better defensive line, I, I would feel differently about that game, but they don't, so I'm not too worried about it. Like, playing in Madison is tough. Um that's worth something I think to them, even though I don't think Wisconsin is a particularly talented team. Um, and then the rest of the schedule kind of stinks outside of Penn state and Michigan. So like <clears throat> chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and like Abdul Carter taking turns, like making Ohio state's offensive tackles head spin, I think is on the table um, depending on how that offensive line develops over the course of the year. So like that particular matchup in that particular game, Ohio State's offensive line against Penn State's defensive line, I think could get a little hairy and ultimately decide things. Um, if it were in Beaver Stadium, I might have that penciled in as a loss already, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's in Columbus um, gives me some pause there. But yeah, like it, this is, a, I think, like by far James Franklin's best roster that he's had there and the best roster Penn State's had in a long time. So um, it's definitely that game. And it's, it's that game for Michigan too, but Michigan has to go there. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Um, I have been enjoying some Michigan fans freaking out about Michigan state because they found out it's going to be both one, a night game 
into they're selling alcohol at stadium for the first time ever uh-huh. um so they're like doing their like moral freak out about you know batteries being thrown on the field but hmm. I, I also i realize i'm just a huge homer here but hmm. what is up with michigan fans thinking that like both like ohio state and michigan state are like Baghdad for them like <laughs> they, they are correct they're they're correct they are right they, <laughs> they think there's snipers in the towers and where they go and they're being like yeah. hunted like it's the most dangerous game yeah they're it's all, just like they're all posting about how they feel safer in afghanistan than they do in columbus <laughs> they're posting about how uh the cbs's are being looted too often the police won't do anything and <laughs> they had to get tough on crime and <laughs> yeah i mean the city used to be so much nicer you know, i just all that shit they, like they, they're worried they're about the knockout game being played against them. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like it's there's it's it's very <laughs> ridiculous i don't know um I do think it's funny the sort of the 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 Michigan State guy who is doing the like the veiled threats about uh, don't come to don't, don't come to East Lansing. It's not a safe place to be. It's it's a dangerous place for a Michigan fan to be. Like you're going to the fuck yeah, like you're going to Afghanistan. It's it's East Lansing. It's just a slightly different version of your own town. <laughs> it's a little bit windier. That's yeah. it. It's just a little bit windier there. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, so my answer for Michigan is obviously at Penn State, uh, and I think for Ohio State that is the correct answer. I I zagged while everybody else was zigging just because I wanted to have a different answer because I knew what the one would be for you two. Um, I'll say at Wisconsin just because one that's a really really hard place to play, and off the top of my head, I might be I might just be misremembering or or missing one completely. I don't think Ohio State has gone there in a while, right? It's it's been. I feel like it's been a minute since they've had to 2016. go. 2016. Yeah, so it has. Yeah. It has. It's been a minute since they've had to go to Wisconsin. So nobody on this roster except for, like, Matt Jones, <laughs> who's been around <laughs> since 2012. Um, no, it's, no one on the roster has been there. No one on the roster has played there. And with a really easy schedule, Wisconsin might be holding a pretty good record going into that game and might have a pretty big crowd there and a pretty invested crowd that could be a top 15 matchup. Um, yep. that's not a good, this is in- such like a, this is like such a sports radio guy take, but yeah, but they'd be better off if they had a worse record. Like the fact that they're going to be undefeated means Ohio state won't overlook them or whatever. I think Ohio state could very easily still overlook them. Ohio state, they can do it to that. anybody. Yeah. yeah. Ohio state loves to do that. <laughs> and isn't it, it's right around the Penn state game, isn't it? It's, it's like the week or, or two weeks before. I think it, I'm looking it up now. I think it might be the week after it's the week after. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That... It's Halloween weekend at night in Madison. <sighs> So that's my answer because that is not a good place to be taking a first year quarterback uh, when you have never yeah. when you've never coached there. Ryan Day's never been there. He uh, like that's that's how long it's been since they have gone to Wisconsin. Ryan Day wasn't hired yet when they went to when they went there last. Like I don't think Larry uh, Larry Johnson would be the only one on the staff who has coached there at Ohio State. Maybe somebody else was in the Big Ten, but. Um, it's not a fun place to yeah. play, especially if they're good, which I think they will be at least relatively good. If Ryan Day tried to go out drinking for a night in Madison, he would die. <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> Afghanistan. Wisconsin, <laughs> Madison is an extremely dangerous place filled with evil people. It's <laughs> just a just a bad place to. Uh, yeah, you, you're gonna lock your lock the lock the team bus doors as you're driving through Madison. <laughs> if you um, if you were to pick a second one for Michigan. I guess like maybe it's at Maryland, like right in between Penn State and Ohio State. God. I know they're, they're obviously going to win that game, yeah. but if you're looking for one, 
Yeah. I mean, Michigan State's bad, and they hate that team. There's a lot of animosity there. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not laughing at the answer. I'm laughing at the schedule. I'm laughing that that is yeah. probably, probably <laughs> legitimately that is the second most likely upset <laughs> on the schedule. That's uh, yeah. That's a fun. State I mean, of they've, Maryland's played them into the second half to the last four years. Yeah. Is that something? I guess it was. I, I remember last year's game being fairly close because I think I had to watch all of it on a playback stream, and it was miserable. It was a horrible game to yeah, watch. Yeah, I was pre-gaming for a wedding with a bunch of Ohio State fans watching that game in a hotel room, uh, and uh, I think Michigan had like three stupid turnovers or something like that. Yeah. But still, yeah. um, I don't know. The answer is like it's just Penn State for both teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, all right, we're gonna stay with Ohio State here for this next one, and then we're gonna get a little bit of breathing room. Um, uh, I I don't really have an answer for this one, but uh, from Down Bad University, should Ryan Day be fired if he finishes this season with no win over Michigan, no Big Ten title, and no national championship? Ryan, I think I know how you feel about this. I'm gonna let you answer, but Bill, I'm gonna let you answer first before Ryan does. Yeah. Um... I'm probably a, a no there, like should be fired. I'm, I'm probably no. I, I am not in the like Ryan days on the hot seat camp just yet. I think that would put me there. Um, but I don't think that puts me in he needs to be fired territory. Um, I think how those hypothetical losses transpire would also matter. Like if they yeah. go up to Ann Arbor and just get their doors blown off, then then maybe it's a different conversation. Um I think he's got a longer leash than people want to believe, or at least people that don't like him want to believe. Um, and also, Who's too, that? like, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I think like this, the timing of like the AD change too, I think would prevent something like that happening. Like, I don't think Gene yeah. Smith is going to can Ryan Day on his way out the door, even if that happens. Um, his final Gene Smith's final revenge is making his yeah. <laughs> even no matter what happens, <laughs> yeah. nobody can fire Ryan Day while his while his ass is meandering out the door. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I'm I'm a no there, but uh, I, I it's a worthwhile conversation. I, I would say I don't I don't I'm not dismissive of the of the notion. All right, Ryan, you're off your leash. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is, like, should he be fired? I think you guys already know my opinion on that. Mm. I just don't think he has the goods. Um, will he be fired is, I think, certainly a no. That Gene Smith point you just brought up, Bill, I was initially celebrating when when Gene resigned or you know announced to retire because I had been so tired of, I think, just a lot of bad contracts and PR mismanagement stuff, mm. uh, both for the football team and for other programs the last few years. Uh, he was a great athletic director and like a, a big time leader in college football, but like the last three years have just been brutal under Gene for me. Um, between the Indianapolis shit, the Ryan Day and Chris Holtman extensions, the uh, the racial slur thing with the hockey team, like a lot of it, just like a lot of like just neglect of other programs too. Like a lot of stuff going on that I think he's just not doing his job as well as he should be doing it. Um, they were slow to NIL, like a lot of things he's done that have negatively harmed the football team and the athletic department, in my opinion. Um, yeah. however, then I realized that meant Ryan day was definitely here through at least 2024, uh, if not longer. And I was just pissed off. Um, <laughs> he got you one last time. Yeah, I, he got you with a dunk he, on the way out the door. <laughs> he really did. Um, man, like, I guess my answer is contextualized, right? I obviously, I already think he should be fired. I will double down further if it's another blowout loss to Michigan, which is just unacceptable. Like if it happens again, he just clearly doesn't have it against them. He doesn't have the goods. He's John Cooper. Like that's the answer. It's like if he can't, if he gets blown up by Michigan again, he is John Cooper to me. Um, 
And the fact that he came into the season without changing really anything about what he does, like no structural changes to this program at all after the disappointments the last couple of seasons, um, indicates to me it's going to happen again. Despite my optimism about the defensive improvements, all that stuff, I just think the core issues have not changed uh, with injuries, with with defensive staff management, uh, with his recruiting approach. Like there are just some core things to him that I think mean he will not realize what he's doing wrong. It doesn't reflect enough to get over the hump. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, I think the more interesting question here to like change it slightly is like, what if they lose to Michigan and Penn State? Um, is that firing territory? I would probably assume it's it's getting closer to the hot seat at that point. Um, the thing, the the context that I think would be really really interesting, where things would not that he would get fired. I don't think he's going to get fired um, anytime super soon i think probably 2020 after the 2024 season is as early as you would see it um but if they lose to michigan in a blowout don't go to the big 10 title don't go to the playoff um and also they lose at wisconsin to luke fickle i don't think that i don't think that would be good news at all for ryan day and if if wisconsin is the team in the big 10 championship from the west that's really really bad for ryan day that would be a really Really, really, really bad loss to take and a really bad season for Wisconsin to have. Um, there, I think that Ohio State, both fans and just people around Ohio State, are going to have a, an eye on Wisconsin, on the things that are happening at Wisconsin, on the things that Luke Fickle are doing, uh, is doing. And if they're good this year, if they beat Ohio State this year, I think that that seat would get a lot hotter really, really fast. Yeah. It's bizarre how dismissive like the fan bases of Luke Fickle as a coaching candidate. Like I truly don't understand. Is it just like the 20, 2011 thing? Because like having a guy who's like a favorite son who coached in the state and made the playoff for the first time ever as a G five team had you know back to back top ten finishes, like an incredible run at Wisconsin at Cincinnati rather before going to the Big Ten. Like people treat like talking about him as a potential coaching candidate like it's the it's an absolute joke or absurd. I truly do not understand why. Well, I mean, they hated when Ohio State hired Jim Trestle after John Cooper. It's it wouldn't be that different. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah, be that, that uh, much of yeah. a stylistic change. It's the same fan base that wanted Chris Spielman as DC for ten years, and still does. <laughs> someday he's going to come back. He's going to save the Bucks. Well, J- James Laurinaitis is up first, and then Chris Spielman, and then Craig Krenzel is yeah. going to run the offense, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, all right, next up. From, uh, Bill, do you have anything else on, on the Penn State question? I want to hear your thoughts there on the Penn oh. State question. On the Penn State question? What is the Penn State question? If they were to lose to Penn State and Ohio oh, State, oh, or uh, lose yeah. to or, uh, sorry, Penn State and Michigan, rather. Yeah, yeah I, I don't – I still don't think that that quite puts me there. I, I think I think Pat raises an interesting point with Fickle. I think – I don't know. I think I think that is a worse situation if the if there were to lose to Wisconsin in addition to losing to Michigan, like saddled with two losses. One of them is to the the guy that some people at least think should be the head coach here. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. Te- technically yeah. speaking, this would apply with Notre Dame as well. Notre Dame's head coach also has some connections to Ohio State. I think yeah. people are out on Marcus though. Like Marcus, yeah, has, he's been a dickhead. Has yeah. been acting yeah. so odd and weird and like, yeah, I think alienating. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, so I think that's different, but, but Luke is not like, I, I think Luke would probably change the tenor of the conversation. I still don't think it gets really anywhere near him being fired. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree with you, Pat, like not, it's not until after 2024 at the earliest. Yeah. Like when whoever the new AD is comes in and assesses yeah. things, I guess. Yeah. 
All right. Next up from dear friend of the show, Jacob Ferriott. Um, I think there's a couple answers to this one. Which coach benefits most from the expanded playoff by being able to keep their job after finishing ranked 9 through 12 every year or so uh, and then being able to tout playoff berths come contract time and whatnot? Um, I, like I was saying, I think there's a lot of guys who this could really apply to because there's a lot of guys who sit yeah. in that range. But, Ryan, I'll, I'll go to you first. I had five names in my head that go immediately. Yeah. Um, James that's... Franklin, okay. a contract hang. Um, I have him. I have Jimbo Fisher because he can get there once every couple of years. I have Steve Sarkeesian again because he has the potential to do this. Uh, although probably not in the SEC, it's probably not going to save him. Mm-hmm. Um, Lane Kiffin can definitely do this. Oh yeah. Uh, and and Josh Heupel is the other. Okay. Uh, we I, I was going to say I bet we have the same list, but we only have one of five crossover, which is interesting. So Bill, what well, do I you... guess I also had Lanning and and uh, DeBoer as well. I don't have I either of those guys. I, I, I'm weird. damn. Yeah, wow. I've okay. got a very different list. So Bill, where are you at with this? James Franklin definitely was the first one I thought of. Yeah, um, he's the Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah. Lane, Lane Kiffin's definitely a good one. I I like thought Sark, but then I I also think that Texas I don't think would be happy with merely making the playoff. And I also think that that's true of Tennessee. Um, I think they'd both be delusional in that thought, but um, I don't know if if simply shouting playoff is good enough for either of those guys to have longevity there. I think they would actually have to get over the top and win one, or at least get to the national championship and like prove you're able to do that. Um, I don't know. That might be just off the top of my head. That's probably it for me. Like Fra- Franklin was the one that was immediate. Like he'll yeah. He'll renew his contract every two years. Yeah, I, I think Franklin is the answer here. Um, I went a little bit of a different direction with this, more less towards avoiding getting fired and more towards come contract time um, of coaches who, like, I don't think are really – uh, there's not a lot of there's not a, a ton of four team playoff experience among these guys except for one of them who went a lot earlier in his career and hasn't recently. Um, but guys, who, who that is, yeah, guys <laughs> who in. Um, in the in the new system probably will be able to go every year or realistically should be able to go every year and who can use that to just stay at their job and get more money in in really in perpetuity if they want um Dabo Kyle Whittingham Lincoln Riley James Franklin and Brian Kelly and then also whoever takes control of the new Big 12 um those guys can basically just put out the same exact team that they have always put out uh at their respective schools and never worry about being fired or a hot seat or really anything like that because they can just go to the playoff every year. Um, and I think realistically their schools could go to the playoff every year. Um, so I guess, I mean, I guess the team that takes control of the new Big 12 is fucking Utah because Utah is going to be in the Big 12. So he would, <laughs> Whittingham would apply there as well. But um, yeah. those are the first guys who come to mind for, for me is is people who consistently have teams around that range and would be in the playoff probably every year, especially the ones who are in the, the big 10 and the sec. Um, and, uh, can just kind of go Mark Stoops mode where they don't even really have to think about the contract. That's what I was going to think. I wonder if someone gets their agent to negotiate a contract where it's every playoff where there's an automatic one year extension or something like that. Yeah. Someone's going to get that contract. James Franklin is going to get that James contract. Franklin's <laughs> going to get it next year. Yeah. yeah. He might already have that contract. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's sign. It's waiting on his desk for him. He just needs to sign it once the playoff starts. Um, <laughs> all right. Next up here from from Buckeye Esquire again. Another good name. Um, what has been your biggest? I can't believe this is actually my job moment in your time covering college football. Um, I just realized here that it says college football. My answer was basketball related. Uh, so I'm going to just say the Rose Bowl was the easy and also probably correct answer. But my other one is my first game, my first basketball game in Utah State's arena, the Spectrum, um, which is 10 times louder than any Big Ten arena I've ever been in. Um, and it was a, a very cool moment. But the Rose Bowl is the correct answer. That's the one where you're like, oh, shit, this is this is uh, this is a big deal. Yeah, the Rose Bowl was a big deal for me too in 2018. Um, it's still the only time I've I've been there because I didn't go. Uh, I didn't go for the Utah game. Mm. Um, I don't know why I didn't go, but I didn't go for the Utah game. Um, oh, I think I was like I didn't want to get on the airplane. That's why I didn't go. Ah. Um, Real. I think like every I I've kind of felt that every time I've walked into the stadium for Ohio State Michigan. Yeah. Um, and Ooh, yeah, some of the, some of the games have had more stakes than others, obviously. And, um, sometimes the outcome felt a little obvious when Ohio state was rolling, but I, th- I think like my ability to be detached from the nervous energy that I feel when I walk into either stadium, like made me really appreciate it. Like not being a fan of either team, just being able to enjoy the moment for what it was and like feel people working themselves up into a lather as the game approach like it's awesome i don't i don't think like i've never i guess i've never been to like bama lsu or whatever or or the iron bowl or anything like that but i don't have much to compare it to i suppose but i can't imagine there is another game in college football that feels the way that that one does when you walk into the stadium so yeah uh, i've always appreciated yeah i i went to when i was covering the team I, i believe i went to one uh, Michigan game, one Ohio State Michigan game, and it was the 2021 one, um, which is a good one to go to as your only one. Um, I I just remember like as the game is is ending, I don't agree by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, as the game is ending and that stadium is so fucking big when you're up there in the press box, it's just enormous and you see just the the crowd like flooding onto the field and it's snowing and it's just that was one where I just kind of. I just kind of had to stand there in the press box for a couple minutes of like, oh, wow. Like you kind of feel the weight of it all hit you at once. Um, that's a good answer. That was, yeah, that that one is, is right up there for me as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I spent a lot less time covering the actual team full-time you guys have, obviously, especially Bill. Like I covered the 2015 season as a beat reporter full-time, but I was always primarily recruiting. So I guess I'll go with a high school game that was part of my job. Um, when I had like just gotten my first... Um, not my first, rather, my second full-time job covering uh, college recruiting uh, with Land of Ten, uh, the long-lived uh, king of college football, of course. Um, I uh, <laughs> I was on, you know, a, a lovely all-expenses-paid trip to sunny uh, Maslin, Ohio, uh, to go see uh, Canton versus Maslin um, in, in Paul Brown Stadium, which was just like, I've been to a lot of incredible high school games. I saw Joe Burrow play in a state title game that finished 45-42. I got to see a lot of really cool games in my time uh, doing that. But, like, that vibe for a high school football game, uh, like, if you have not gone to Maslin-McKinley, it is, like, it's not, it's obviously the same as Ohio State-Michigan, but that is a bigger environment than most college games you ever go to. Um, It is a crazy, like, guys are, like there are bookies in the high school parking lot and taking bets <laughs> in the game. Um, <laughs> you can't park for 20 blocks around the stadium. Yeah. It's, 
it's really fucking nuts there. it's really really crazy uh that is like that is one of those moments that like is mythologized in american football and it deserves all of it uh like for a high school football game that is is that one of those where you have to park at the fairgrounds and then take a bus over no i found like a side street to park on and just legged it i got offered a few brats on the way it was a nice setup honestly all right um I would have very. Yeah, much that was pretty sick. Game. Yeah, it's, I haven't. You should go. I, I wonder, yeah. like, it's it's got to be different in Maslin, right? Than in than Canton. Like Canton's like an NFL stadium, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd assume so too. I didn't go to the Canton when I went to the Maslin one, but like, yeah. man, if you can get like if Ohio State plays at home that next time, it's what November. It's like the week before, no, a couple of weeks before Ohio State Michigan, right? I recall yeah, correctly, like first week of November, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, if Ohio State plays a home game that week anytime soon, uh, you should go to that game on the Friday night beforehand. Just drive back that night. It's it's a long trip, but it's really worth it. Yeah, cool. maybe it will. Yeah. All right. Next yeah. up here from R.S. Kraus, uh, college football teams are needlessly secretive about everything, hmm. uh, but specifically about everything. Uh, the question here, we kind of alluded to this earlier, is OSU worse than other blue bloods in terms of their cloak and dagger routine? I don't know uh, how much I, I like. I don't know how much any of us would be able to answer this because I don't think any of us, unless I'm just misremembering, have covered another blue blood that isn't Ohio State. Um, I covered Penn State for a little bit. Okay, are they better or worse than this? I guess that was also the, a different, you know, era of college football a little bit. Yeah, like Penn State's way worse. Okay, um, and it's not just about like like I said before, like Ohio State's coaches can be like a little evasive with answering questions, which is frustrating. But the access is pretty good, I think, compared yeah. to other programs like you can walk up to Ryan day and ask him a question if you need to. And I don't like, you can't do that at Alabama. I'd imagine like seven bodyguards would jump between you and Nick Saban. If you tried to do that. Um, Even when urban was here, you could do that. Um, And like, you can talk to most players you want to and Ohio state has open practices and stuff. So I feel like the, the, the press conference, like answers are probably pretty standard. Like coaches just don't want to say anything interesting, but the ability to ask the questions and get to the people you need to get to, I think is probably better than most major programs. Yeah. I mean, I was a student reporter in 2015, able to like walk pretty much all the way to the locker room with like all American left tackle Taylor Decker and, you know, like future, you know, top five pick Zeke Elliott without any problems. Um, Ohio state at the time, at least was pretty good. And I think is now um, I know Michigan's pretty tough on access, right? They don't get those guys much. Like a couple guys get a lot, but most of them don't get anything. Like Sam Webb has whatever he wants, but most guys don't get anything. Um, Probably because he sets up recruiting visits for them is probably why. Uh, But (laughs) um, yeah, I think, no, Ohio State's fine on access broadly. I do think like the injury thing now to Ryan Day last season was pretty stupid. And I think they're starting to walk that back, which they've realized. So um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up here. Um, We've got, uh, I'm going to tie a couple together here that I think are pretty similar from uh, Meaty at midfield. What is a non-G5, non-playoff contending P5 team who you are most excited to watch this year? Um, and then from Stannerman51, which possible storyline not involving the team you root for or its most prominent rival would bring you the most joy? I, I would imagine the answer here is going to be fairly similar. Um, I will go with, uh, I, I have, uh, I, I think oh, we just say, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about, we've talked about Oregon state pack 12 champions. That's my, my number one answer. Uh, oh, num- wow. num- number two is probably Kansas. I, I would, that's I, what I was I, thinking. Yeah. Excited yeah. to see what Kansas does this year. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oregon State was was my answer for like non uh, non G five non playoff contender that I'm most excited to watch. But that if I had to pick a different storyline, um, it would be uh, Texas starting the season off six and zero with a win against Alabama and then finishing the season nine and three and not making the playoff yes. while losing like to Houston and TCU. That sounds erotic. That would be um, that would be very good. I think Kansas winning the Big Twelve would be awesome for me. Uh, I would really like to see that one happen. Um, hmm. Bring me the most joy. Um, I don't know. Like, I just truly, I, I guess, like, I'd be pretty happy with like Florida State putting Clemson in the coffin. Like, yeah, everyone kind of buried Dabo, but they're they're pretty much like they've got a shot this year to get back to the playoff. Definitely. Um, Florida State kicking them back down to the hole would be nice again. So I guess that'd be cool. Um, I would get some pleasure out of that. Um, Pitt winning the ACC would be fun for me. A lot of friends that are Pitt fans. Uh, that's always fun. Um, Kansas is definitely an easy one. I don't know. I don't really have a ton. I, I guess like Washington making a playoff run would be pretty fun. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Washington is another one that I considered for this. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of good options. There's, and of course, there's also a lot of good spite options like uh, Texas or USC or really just pick a school um alabama uh there there are a lot of there are a lot of yeah i go that's oh sorry yeah i forgot i mean christ alabama going like nine and three would be amazing yeah it would be nice to see georgia get some sort of comeuppance i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon but maybe at some point that it will happen yeah i want to see kirby in handcuffs yeah um all right i'm gonna uh i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here because we are uh we're we're coming to the the last couple questions here um this one is from james spanklin uh it'd be great to get bill's perspective on home field advantage uh i'm not sure if he's looked into all of these but i'd imagine he has for some does uh stadium size matter does a night game help does a blackout slash whiteout intimidate does cold weather disproportionately impact warm weather schools etc um bill have you looked into any of this stuff no i haven't um i think like that my my thoughts on it are largely informed by like going to Penn state games, like mm. both as a student and a media member and for as intimidating as the whiteout atmosphere can be like Penn state does not win a lot of those games. So it makes me think that uh home field tends to be a little overrated. The weather thing is interesting. Um, like, especially if we get into a world where more warm weather teams need to come up North and play. Um, I, I do think that'll impact things probably more than just like, merely being on the road or sheer stadium size stuff like that i think the elements can have an impact more than anything else um but no i, I don't know I, and home field i'm sure like the best home field environments probably do provide more of an advantage than penn state seems to provide for for itself but um my my point of view is a little skewed because it doesn't really seem to matter all that much for them yeah i mean i guess lsu is a pretty great one too but again like I don't think they've ever won a game because of home field advantage. Like, I don't know. It just happens so rarely that that's actually the case. Um, it's it's really I hard think the to, answer is no. It's hard yeah. to know exactly how impactful it is as well. It's it's one of those things like like there is there's a generally agreed upon metric for like projecting games of like somewhere between two and three points, which can make a difference. Football games can be won by two or three points, but. Um, it is hard to, especially because like for those biggest games, right? They're big games for a reason. They come against good teams. And so you don't know, it's, it's sort of like with Penn State, 
they lose a lot of those games, but also they're a lot of the times against Ohio State or Michigan or teams that would beat them usually. And so yeah. it's, it's really hard to measure exactly how impactful that kind of thing is. Um, I do think weather probably plays, honestly, a, a larger role because that can impact more things on a football field. If it's if it's really cold and really windy and really rainy, it's really hard to throw the football, like objectively. It just it just yeah. is. It's not like hokum. It's just it's harder to do. You can't hold the ball. That is the uh, that is a, one of the annoying storylines every season is like, you know, like the majority Southern college football beat, like basically pretending, I don't know, like, like a, a November game at like Illinois or something where it's like 45 mile per hour winds with like sleet in the air yeah. doesn't change the game at all. That does piss me off, I guess, a bit. Yeah. Um, I would like to see a team come north. Yeah. Didn't that happen last year? Like, wasn't wasn't Ohio State Northwestern the same week as Georgia Tennessee when like the second half of Georgia Tennessee, no one could do anything because it was a downpour. But everyone yeah. in the big, earlier in the day was making fun of Ohio State and Northwestern because they couldn't throw the ball in seventy mile an hour wing dust. Correct. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's cool. There's there's just no uh, yeah no literacy about any of this stuff. It's good. Um, I, I guess the annoying part is like the only team that's like actually good in the north and is built to take advantage of this is Michigan. Because if it's like snowy outside, Ohio State just can't play. Yeah, how dare you say that about Illinois? <laughs> Illinois is extremely is extremely well equipped to handle the weather that it gets. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Ryan, where do you want to go next here? Um. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I guess like we should probably do like the obvious one here, uh, which is just predictions. Patrick, I know you'll love this especially. Yeah. Uh, the prediction of playoff teams and national champions. This was um, this was embarrassingly hard for me to to decide. On. <laughs> yeah. We can we can let Bill go first. I think on this one. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. I like I. Please don't hold me to this. Is it probably changed my mind like six times before the season starts? I'm, I'm um, writing it down. I'm going to post it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please, please go ahead. The the thing that I've come around to is that I think that LSU is going to win the national championship, and then I could just sort of like filled in around that. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, uh, I guess in order of seed, if that matters, uh, Georgia won because their schedule's a joke. Uh, Ohio State two because I like I actually believe in their defense to to. to get them over the Michigan hump. And I like, actually they're, they're not going to lose this year. Um, LSU three and USC four only to avoid the rematch between Georgia and LSU in the playoff game. Um, and then I had uh, LSU avenging a loss in the SEC championship to Georgia by beating them in the national championship. Ryan. I was, I was not far off from yours. Um, I basically have the top three big 10 teams going 11 and one each. Uh, and splitting with each other. And the committee saying Ohio State to the playoff because they love to piss off everyone else and send Ohio State to the playoff. They do. Um, They really do. (laughs) So I have LSU as the number one team. Uh, I think they lose to FSU that run the table, including beating Georgia. Uh, I think Georgia gets in at 12-1. and uh, And I think Florida State also gets in because they will suffer one loss somewhere. And maybe Clemson, the regular season, that eventually at the AC title game. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is too... It's basically too, uh, there's too much homogeneity at the top. Like, I think those teams are too close to each other. That's, everyone's going to come out like 11 and 2 or something like that. Um, and I think that the Big 12 has no good teams, or at least no teams that are playoff quality. And yeah, I mean, I'm obviously walking a tightrope having LSU have two of their opponents make the playoff and themselves. Uh, that is like a pretty difficult thing to happen. But if you're just asking me if my four best teams this year, 
I think it's like LSU, Georgia, Florida State, and the Big Ten East champion. Okay, yeah. I uh, So I, I've gone with a top four of, I think, undefeated Georgia, um, undefeated Michigan, one loss LSU with the one loss being in the SEC championship game to Georgia, and then uh, probably one loss Clemson in the four spot, just as like they needed a fourth team. Um, and then I have uh, LSU beating Michigan in the 2-3 game, Georgia beating Clemson in the 1-4, and then LSU uh, beating uh, Georgia in the championship game and, and sort of avenging the, the SEC championship loss. So Bill and I, same wavelength here. Uh, it, does, it feels like yeah. an LSU year where there's not really an obvious, like everybody at the top has, a, has something wrong with them. And LSU also has something wrong with it, but it's not... It, this is the kind of season that LSU loves to win championships in, and I, I could I could very easily see that happening this year. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, you were describing a nightmare for me, which is a two-team SEC bid year plus Clemson and Michigan. That yeah. is a personal hellscape for me. Yeah, this would be terrible. This would be a terrible <laughs> playoff to be, and especially because Georgia and Clemson always play each other. Like, it's a constant. They're always playing each other anyway, so it's not even like we would get a fun matchup. Like, LSU-Michigan would be the only fun matchup of this entire playoff it would be <laughs> and, we, and we don't even get to laugh at like michigan's beat georgia period coming to fruition either uh, no, um no of course not yeah, we don't even get to have see we talked about that yeah uh a little i don't know if we've talked about it on the show i do think it is it is funny um yeah. they're just doing this is like urban meyer stuff they're just doing like what urban meyer was doing at ohio state now yeah yeah um I kind of feel like they lost the plot a little bit. Like having it beat Georgia period is part of the reason why I think Ohio State's going to beat them this year. Hmm. I actually tend to agree. I think they're. T- I think I'm also. I'm maybe just wish casting here, but yes, I think Michigan will have a disastrous 2024. Um, losing all these players, plus they have a pretty tough schedule next year. And they play the text like two, uh, and they also are going to lose Jim Harbaugh. Because uh, he's he's not serving any game suspension. I will tell you that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, you guys talk. I to, think you, they're going to you and your you and your little friends talk yourself into Jim Harbaugh leaving every offseason. He never does. <laughs> he tries to do it every year. I'm not wrong. He's trying. Yeah. I believe in the guy. He hasn't done it yet. He's been there for like a decade. Still hasn't happened. It's, yeah. At some point, he's just going to retire, and that doesn't count. That's not. <laughs> that's not the same. Yeah, we'll see. He's going to go coach the Colts. He loves Anthony Richardson. He's basically just Joe Milton, too. Uh-huh. He wants other Joe Milton. He wants a second crack at Joe Milton. It's going to happen. He loved Joe um, Milton, famously. Jim Harbaugh loved Joe Milton. <laughs> Could not get enough of Joe Milton. Um, him to start. Made him a starter in game one. <laughs> he sure did. And then he did a whole bunch of other things in 2020 that everyone has just memorized. <laughs> no comment. It's gone. No comment. It's down yeah. the toilet. It's <laughs> elsewhere. Um all right, we have a couple. We have a couple others that I think we're going to hold for the next time we do a Q and A. Unless uh, Ryan, you have any, you have any disagreement with that? Um, I think that's probably a good place for us to stop this one. No, I think I'll say really quick is we're not going to do the full answer. But Jacob Farriott's question about the um, some of the worst AP top twenty five voters. Yeah, um, I do think Patrick, you and I are going to incorporate that as a segment. It's the premium, the premium recap episodes. Yeah, um, we're going to highlight some dumb voters. Um, I won't see any names here. He's a former colleague of Bill, but one of our favorite voters is gone, unfortunately. They killed the him. list. Yeah, they killed him. Um, <laughs> they cut his head right off and got rid of him. Honestly, he was great content for us. I'm really sad that he's gone yeah. uh, from the list, not I, from life. Jake, um, I'll, I'll also tell you, I'm currently writing a story about this. So you, uh, the, this later this week, you can get a, an article breakdown of the worst uh, or funniest preseason AP top yeah. 25 votes. So we'll have plenty. Do you of like doing that. that, Bill? Do you, do you do it the way we do? Like we love reviewing the AP votes 
and just see what dumb shit uh, is on there. Do you ever do this too? Yeah, I like I like looking at. I I used to do it. So like, I, part part of me knows how difficult it is to try to put a ballot together at like one time. One time I had to put my AP. It was the year that Ohio State went to Oklahoma in 2017 or no, yeah, 2016. And like the game was delayed. Yeah. The, the game was delayed. It didn't start to like nine o'clock. I don't think we got out of the stadium until like three o'clock in the morning. Um, it poured. That's why the game was delayed. And like our car was stuck in the mud. Oof. So like we had to oh, push the car, we had to push the car out of the mud. I was covered in it, like covered in mud from pushing the car out. And then we had to drive back to Dallas because that's where we were. That's where we were flying out of. Yeah. So I was putting my AP ballot together at like. 5 30 in the morning after not sleeping the night before covered in mud on my way to dallas love field airport trying to figure out what happened in the college football world the previous night yeah uh so like that's the shit that people deal with when they're trying to put the ap ballot together so i try the, to cut them the image of uh, the image of you and ari pushing a car out of the mud is, is pretty funny that's yeah. what it was yeah it was me and him and i think doug just standing there watching us push the car out. <laughs> that sounds he was, right he was giving orders yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, got the megaphone <laughs> in the drill drill sergeant bit um all right yeah cool uh we'll uh we'll get out of here is there anything i'm i'm gonna probably i'll just record a ad to plug in this thing at the beginning so um bill we we had you plug your podcast earlier where can people find you on uh on on twitter if they want to do that uh at bill landis 25 is my twitter uh handle or whatever the hell it's called now yeah um yeah you can find me there you can find me at the podcast you can find me at ohiostate.rivals.com it's great SEO. And, you and guys at Roosters. Yeah. And at Roosters yeah. on every every Monday. <laughs> yeah. In perpetuity. Great. You got you guys really kind of ate everybody's lunch with the SEO on that podcast. Just the podcast. That's that's the that's Yeah, the... you know what? It uh <laughs> If you search the podcast, a lot of shit comes, <laughs> shit comes up. Maybe t- maybe throw an Ohio State on there, or search yeah. my name or something. Yeah, yeah. I always search Bill Landis when I'm looking for the pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, uh, right. All right. We will. Thanks for coming uh, on, buddy. Yeah. yeah appreciate Bill, it. Thank yeah, you. As course. always, always a pleasure. We will be back with uh, some sort of podcast here at some point. That's that's what we do here. So we'll see you guys then.